At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 426th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is off-grid farming on a remote section of an island. We're talking with Camille James about organic farming in Hawaii. Camille is a certified clinical nutritionist and public speaker living in Kauai, Hawaii. She has 16 years experience in web design, e-commerce development, and social media marketing. And prior to moving to the island, she was the owner of a juice bar and volunteer coordinator for a CSA in Bellevue, Nebraska. She currently lives off-grid on a 35-acre organic farm in Kauai, where her duties include design, planning, planting, harvesting, composting, grounds maintenance, landscaping, working in the nursery, and being a chicken whisperer. Welcome to the show today, Camille. Are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. Let's do this. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? So in the beginning, I was a web designer. I did that for about 16 years, and this was when AOL was sending out those free CDs. Oh, yes. And people were just getting on the internet. And it was a unique way for me to raise my children at home. And so I did that for a very long time. And probably around the end of that middle to the end of that career, I was diagnosed with tumors. Oh. And I had been going to the doctor on and off and you know, it was just surgery and more pills. That was pretty much the solution. And it just didn't feel right. And it didn't fit with me. And so I met some people in Los Angeles, which is my hometown. And they uh, showed me a way to heal naturally. So basically said, eat and drink life. And so through this process, I lived with them for about a year. And that was my first time getting introduced to the art of juicing. Mm. And it pretty much changed my life. And after that, they, when I was done, they said, I want you to do three things. First, heal yourself, then your family, then your community. And so I set out on that mission and I opened up a juice bar in Bellevue. We're a military family. So we were stationed at Offit Air Force Base. Ah, that makes sense. I was going to ask you yeah. how you got from LA to Nebraska. Yes. And prior to, and in between that, we were in Holland. We were we spent time in Guam, and then we went from Guam, and we got stationed in Nebraska. So that was a major shock. Wow, no kidding. And Yeah, and so when I got there, I realized there was really no place that had real, natural, legitimate juices. And so instead of complaining about it, I decided to beat the change. And I opened up one of the first little juice bars in that area. 
I love that. Be the change and just go out and do it. Good job. Yes. Thank you. Bellevue, Nebraska is a long way from Kauai, Hawaii. How did <laughs> that happen? Wow. So I went through a series of challenges in my life and I needed a change. A friend of a friend invited me to Kauai. And at the time, I just was in a perfect position to uh, take the opportunity. So I bought a one-way ticket. Oh, nice. And she said, well, do you, she said, well, it's, uh, we're on an island, a very remote island. I said, well, I used to live in Guam. So I've kind of had a little island experience. Uh And she said, well, it's off the grid. And I said, I need that kind of change in my life. Wow. So then I got here and yes, it was a shock. It was a, a major shock to go from living in a three level home to 150 square foot dwelling Mm -hmm. with no electricity. I had to learn about solar power. I had to learn about compostable toilets and work, you know, and living. And, you know, I didn't realize how controlled I was prior to coming. So my, you know, in your home, your lighting is controlled. Your temperature is controlled. Everything is. And you find yourself in this rut. But when you're living in nature, you have to go with the flow of it. You don't control it. No kidding. Wow. So Camille, what's your typical day like on the farm? So a typical day for us, it is a group of us. So we call it, we're farm mates. So right now there's about six or seven of us mm-hmm. and we do an early morning meetup. This is where we kind of come together and come up with a plan. Now, as we all know on the farm, nothing goes as planned, but you at least want to get a general idea of where you're headed. Mm -hmm. And so we break up into groups because of course we're on 35 acres and of course we're not using that much, but uh, some of the fields are in different areas. So we split up and we start our day. And of course, by a couple of hours later, we're troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. We're, most of the time we're troubleshooting. We're figuring out, you know, irrigation. We're seeing what, and then here on the island, one of the things that we deal with is corrosion it's from the salt water. Oh, right. So you're going to deal with a lot of things breaking. So most of the time you're fixing things. And another thing that grows here on the island that's not native is something they call here guinea grass, but in Africa it's called king grass. Mm-hmm. And it is a very invasive grass that grows up to eight feet. Oh, my gosh. What razor blade, sharp grass blade. And it grows relentlessly. So the majority of our time is maintaining this grass and keeping it at bay. So I think it was originally brought to feed the cattle. But then the cattle didn't like it. But once they put it down... It took over the entire island. Oh, my gosh. That's a thing to have to eradicate then. That's a project. I doubt it. It is more relentless than the dandelion. It is. <laughs> it's all over. It can be used uh, for shade, uh, privacy, mm-hmm. you know, if you, but it's a, it's an ongoing thing. So, yeah. So, typical day is maintenance, fixing things, you know, and we're checking on the different projects that we've started. Wow. And so what are you growing 
on the farm and and what what do you do with it? Oh, this is the best part. So one thing that I was I guess known for at the juice bar was ginger and turmeric. Mm-hmm. And so those are two of our main crops. Oh wow. So we're doing a lot of ginger and turmeric, but we have a lot of trees like the noni, the mighty mango, mm-hmm. moringa. We have something called the lipstick tree that has these beautiful pods that that you can use as dye. So the people, uh, Polynesians here, used to use it to dye their clothing. We have the taro root, bananas, mm-hmm. coconuts. Oh, man, the list just goes on and on. I tell you, if you ever wanted to imagine what the Garden of Eden must have looked like, this, is, there? this is it. Yes. Wow. It's just food everywhere. It's You can walk down the road and it's just food in the, uh, on the roads. Yeah. That's all the stuff you're growing. And you said it's just growing by the side of the road in a lot of cases? Yes, definitely. Yes. So in 1991, I had something really interesting happen. And this was one of those structural things that happened early on in life for me. A friend of mine went for a sailboat trip on some tropical island somewhere, and they were looking for a grocery store. And the people on the island said, well, just go pick your own. That's right. (laughs) So to a certain extent, you can just go pick your own, right? That is exactly what we do every day. So when I'm hungry, I just actually grab my stick. It has a little catcher on it. Mm -hmm. And I have a bag on my side. And I act like I'm on an episode of Chopped. Wow. And I try to see what I can bring together to make a wonderful meal each day. The avocados here are just beyond, you know your imagination as far as the texture and the creaminess. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. So you're working on this farm. You're growing all this food. It's easy to pick your own. What are you doing with the food? Are you you actually marketing it? The ginger and the turmeric is. The farm has a contract with a few businesses like Whole Foods Mm -hmm. and and Maui and uh, some of the local businesses here. So pretty much farm to market. Nice. And who owns the farm? Anna and Scott are their names, and they are two of the most wonderful people I know. And they're actually, I was here as just an invitation as like friends, Uh but they actually run what is called a woofing program. Oh, yes. So maybe four others are actually in the woofing program that work for trade. Mm -hmm. So the woofing program, that's an acronym. It stands for something like Willing Workers on Organic Farms. And so you're, you're essentially you're woofing. I'm woofing. Yes. Wow. How cool is that? The woofing program is a worldwide program. You can find out about it in your area by looking up WWOOF and then the name of your city. But tell me about how the program is working for you and what you're doing with it. Uh, So the, the program is wonderful. It's a way for definitely when you're I said I wanted to know about farming. I knew it through the CSA program that we did, and that was on a small scale, but I really wanted to know what it was like on a larger scale. And so I had done some classes in horticulture, but I wanted a way to get that hands-on. So woofing is a wonderful way to kind of get that, you know, real-time experience. So basically what you're doing is you're finding a farm that kind of fits what you're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. and you give a certain amount of hours per week and in exchange you have a place to stay and so a lot of people do it to kind of visit very uh, exotic places or some just come for the experience so it's 
it's just a great way. And definitely if you are in an opportunity where you can actually go and spend time, most woofing uh, farms would prefer more long-term, but there are farms that allow people to come in for a couple of weeks or a month. Yeah. When I've had, I've had woofers here at the urban farm over the past two decades and some of them stayed for a couple of days. And I had one girl that stayed for a year. Yeah, definitely. So we have a, a couple of uh, woofers here that have been here for three years and another one for two. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely a way to, you know, find out if farming or, you know, uh, living off the grid or whatever circumstances, you know, is something that you love. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I noticed because, you know, I probably had three dozen woofers stay here at the urban farm. And, you know, it's it's also a really cool way to meet people that are traveling the world. Yes. You learn so much. Like we had some ger- people from Germany mm-hmm. and they brought and they were they did sculptures and they brought rocks. Everyone comes and brings their gifts. And yeah, it's just a great way to also communal living is a wonderful experience. Your story is an interesting one. You were in LA, then you were in Nebraska, and then all of a sudden you're in Hawaii. Can you kind of talk about the inspiration, the motivation, the why you did that? Well, a lot of it came from our lifestyle, uh, being in my husband being in the Air Force. So this kind of taught us how to love with detachment. Mm-hmm. So any place that we went, we knew we had to love it up, but we knew in three, two to three or four years, it would be time to move. So we already kind of had that, you know, that lifestyle in place. And so we went from Los Angeles and Phoenix. We went from there to uh, Amsterdam. They stayed in Holland for a while. And then we went on to Guam and then Guam to Nebraska. But in each place, I picked up a set of skills. And that's what I would do in each place by learning from the community, the people. And this just kind of helped expand my mind to realize that nothing was impossible. And I also learned that in all these different places and different countries, we're pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. We have the same issues. We have the same loves, the same desires, the same goals. We want to be happy. We want our families to be safe and cared for. And I love um, learning, like I said, from each place. And so that's why when I got the opportunity to come to Kauai, I said, I'm there, I'll be there. I want it because I knew this was going to expand not only my skill set, but who I am as a person. Yeah. And how long have you been there? So I've been here about five months now. And oh man, it seems like a lifetime. So much I've learned, so much I've seen and experienced. I will be going home soon to actually witness the birth of my sixth grandchild in Nebraska. Wow. Uh-huh. And then I plan to return to Kauai. Oh, nice. Nice. So you're going to take a vacation from Hawaii yeah. and then come back. <laughs> yeah. Who does that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but to see another grandchild be born out. I would do anything. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited of going back because I'm also doing a pop-up and I'm bringing a lot of the things that we grow here, there, so they can experience what red turmeric tastes like. Oh, wow. And there's another, it's called a Hawaiian chili pepper, which is very medicinal. Hawaiian Uh, chili pepper? Yes. So the kahunas are what they call the medicine men um, and women brought the chili pepper from, you know, the 
they're Polynesians and they brought that here to Kauai and they use it as medicine. Wow. Cool. And you mentioned pop-up. Tell me about that. So with Juice for Life right now, it used to be an actual brick and mortar, but now we, I just kind of come in and I pop up in different cities and people who are accustomed to my blends, they, I pop up, they pop up and we have a great time and we drink juice and I teach and we talk and it's a wonderful experience. I bring in other local vendors. It's Uh a beautiful time. Wow. Yeah, it's a beautiful time. Excellent. And how can people find out more information about that if they want to attend and they're in your area? Uh, definitely on our Instagram. It's I juice the number four life. I juice for life on Instagram. Perfect. And I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. Man, I tell you what, I, I have this saying. I say, when you no longer fear, fear failure, you will succeed at everything. Ooh. Yes. So I actually welcome failure. So when I saw that question, I was like, this is a perfect opportunity for me to share how wonderful failures can be. So for me, after I opened the juice bar, I basically built it from scratch and in an area that they had never really been exposed to that type of juicing and healing modalities. And instead, I knew that if I built it, they would come. And I did. And a whole community was built around it. And I watched it grow and I watched lives change and people empower themselves through their health. Mm -hmm. And right when the business was at its peak, I found out that I was pregnant and I experienced a miscarriage. And this literally broke my spirit. Oh, I'm sure. And Grief just enveloped me and it followed me around like a ghost. And this caused me to have to close the business because I could not give from a cup that was broken. Mm -hmm. And I thought at the time that I had failed my mission, that I had failed the community that I had built. And through that closing of the business, that's what opened me up to accept this opportunity here in Kauai. And so coming here, I was able, I guess the shock of living off the grid jolted me Mm -hmm. and I got my hands in the soil. And then I finally was able to see how the ginger was grown, how the turmeric is grown and the mango and all these things that I used to juice with. And I ordered maybe from a broker or, you know, a farm or something like that. Now I had the ability to see how it was grown to be a good steward of the food and then turn it into, you know, uh, juices or, you know, entrees or whatever the case. But it expanded my knowledge. So through closing the business, it showed me that juicing was just one part of a bigger plan. And I think sometimes when we are doing something, because I thought in the beginning, opening and running the juice bar was my sole mission. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that it was a one part of something bigger. And so I guess it's like making music. You have to let go of one note to get the other, you know, and that's how you make harmony. So that's through that failure, I was exposed to a the bigger mission, which is actually growing, being a good steward of the land, and then taking that food and putting it in, you know, edible formats. Yeah. Wow. And part of the reason I asked this question is because failures are beautiful segues to huge successes. And I've had multiple ones in my life. Unless we jump in 
and take a risk and fail, it, it, it doesn't open those doors. So jump in and don't be afraid to fail. Like you said, what happens when you're not afraid of failure anymore? When you no longer fear failure, you succeed at everything. Yes. Nice. So I, I actually, when I start a project, I'm actually anticipating failure because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is helping me to fine tune. I'm like, okay, now I'm getting somewhere. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? Oh, wow. You know, I think letting go of all of my possessions, that was my biggest success. Mm-hmm. Coming here to Kauai, I, I closed my business. I sold my home. I donated practically everything. And I came here. And I had a suitcase, a backpack, a passport, and a credit card, and some flip-flops, right? <laughs> and with that basic, those basic necessities, I realized what, it, what I needed versus what I thought I wanted. So I was no longer possessed by possessions, which frees me up to be able to open up to opportunities when they present themselves. Mm-hmm. I notice a lot of people don't do what they can because they say, oh, no, I have this job or I have this house. I have these things. I have this car note. I got these expenses. And we're holding on to a lot of these things and they kind of keep us stuck. So now that I have the ability to not be attached to possessions or, or as I say, possessed by possessions, it just frees me to be open to opportunities. Like I'll be going to Ghana in August Uh, to visit some farms there as well and to speak at a women's conference. And because my life now is so light, when when they call me and say, hey, can you come to Ghana? I'm like, sure. I'm not attached to anything. (laughs) So I think that was one of my greatest successes, losing everything. Mm -hmm. That was one of my greatest successes. Isn't that great? That's great that you can. That's so great that you can see that. Good for you. What drives you? Ah, Food. Food drives me. Yes. Food makes me get up, walk a half a mile to the bus stop, get on the bus, go all the way to the other side of the island, walk another half a mile just to eat my favorite food. I love food tremendously. If you want me to go somewhere, you need to say food is involved. (laughs) Feed you, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Nice. But uh, food was all my love for food is also what, you know, inspired me to become a nutritionist. Mm hmm. Because I knew I loved food uh, the way I do, I needed to have a healthy relationship with it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, and then because of my love of eating food, it has turned into my love of growing food. So, yeah, it's my driving factor. Perfect. And one resource or book for our listeners? Oh, I'm going to bless you with this awesome book. It was first introduced to me many moons ago when I worked at the House of Blues recording studio. Oh. And B.B. King's manager gave me a book called Hope for the Flowers by Trina Paulus. And the book is about, and on, on first glance contact, you would think it's a kid's book. Uh-huh. It's about these two, butter, uh, these two uh, caterpillars who, are, who have met fall in love and they're on this mission to go up this mound. And the ultimate story behind it is you can either crawl your way, scrape your way to the top, or you can fly. And so it's a wonderful book. Nice. Hope for the Flowers. Yes, by Trina Paulus. Cool. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I think every experience or goal, you know, career, something you want to achieve, it's going to require a sacrifice. And I think 
the greater the goal or whatever it is, the greater the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So the key is to choose what's worth the sacrifice, you know, knowing what your why is, you know, what is your why? Why are you doing this? Because the moment you lose your why, then things get complicated. Yeah. So every day I'm constantly reminding myself why. And you want to find something that is, like I said, worth that sacrifice. So when those challenges start to hit you, you're like, but you know what? It's worth it. Mm -hmm. So it's just finding your why. Amen to that. Well, thank (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Camille. It's been an honor. Thank you for having me. You bet. And, you know, I I just want to do a shout out. You're, you, you know, live remotely off the grid in Hawaii and you came in a little uh, into town, uh, you know, to spend some time with us today. So I, I greatly appreciate that. And although we didn't have a great connection, what you were sharing was great information. So yay. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, you bet. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? The best way, and you can kind of get a visual of this journey I've been on in Kauai, is to follow me on Instagram, and that's Camille James. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Camille. That's C-A-M-I-L-L-E. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and everywhere that podcasts are found. Also visit Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.